Okay, everyone, welcome to Unsafe Space. I'm Carter Laren. I'm going to wait for just a minute in case other people want to join. Uh, small audience uh, at the moment, but uh, do have some audience sometimes, so I want to make sure people have a chance to jump in. It is tea time, so uh, drink your tea. It's a time-honored tradition both in Europe and in Asia. Uh, I don't know what this tea is today, but it is something my wife picked up for me. So, um, yeah, while while we w sit here and wait just for, for a minute or so, I guess there's a couple, uh, couple things we could chat about. Um, you know... There's this whole uh, brouhaha around birthright citizenship right now. Trump is um, saying he's going to uh, basically prohibit uh, illegal, undocumented, however you want to say it, uh, children of illegal or undocumented immigrants uh, will no longer be citizens. And he's he's claiming he can do this. So birthright citizenship, for those of you who don't know, is... Uh, Basically, it means if you're born in the U.S., you, uh, you're automatically a citizen. It's actually quite unusual in the developed world. Only the U.S. and Canada have birthright citizenship in the developed in the developed world. So, like nowhere in Europe has it. Um, it I think it was originally it's part of the Fourteenth Amendment, which I believe was originally uh, designed to protect slaves, <clears throat> so that they would be counted as citizens and and their kids, um, but uh, are far more slaves, and. Um, so anyway, Trump is kind of saying, oh, I, I'm going to, I guess Jeff Sessions was saying he's going to look at what incentives uh, people have to migrate here uh, illegally and try and reduce those incentives. And one of those incentives is birthright citizenship. The funny thing to me is actually um, <laughs> like how much CNN suddenly cares about the Constitution. I was just watching a thing earlier today where they uh, they they said – they had a guy on there explaining like, oh, wow, the 14th Amendment, you don't have to be a constitutional scholar. It's very obvious. It means what it says. You just read it. It means what it says. How could you dare violate the 14th Amendment? Um, I really wish they had any kind of similar tone on the Second Amendment. But uh, surprisingly enough, the Second Amendment is apparently very nuanced and complex, and you can't just read it. It doesn't say what you think it says. It really says that only the military can have guns, um, uh, you know, if you're CNN. But uh, but the 14th Amendment, that one's obvious. So, um, so yeah, that's one of the uh, one of the crazy things going on today. Okay, I think I've waited I've waited enough for for people who want to join to join. Anyone else now can can be late if they want to come in. So, um, welcome again to Unsafe Space. I am your host Carter Laren. Um, this is the regular Tuesday tea time. Uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, uh, where I drink tea and talk about universalism. And you can support Unsafe Space by going to unsafeshow.com. There's options to support the show there. Frankly, the best thing to do, please just subscribe. Uh, if you love or hate it, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, call me all sorts of names if you want. Or uh, or tell me tell me it's great or argue or whatever. So I'd love to have your participation. So please subscribe to the YouTube channel or you can go to Unsafe Show on Twitter 
and uh, and follow us there. Uh, as a reminder, this Thursday, every Thursday at 11 a.m., Carrie Smith and I, who's she's a former SJW founder of Civility Dinners, and um, and part of the, I guess not officially part of the Walk Away movement, but uh, Carrie and I have a, a show every week at 11 a.m. where we talk about social justice warriors and the social justice warrior ideology. So tune in this week. We'll talk about personal responsibility. So anyway, let's get to today's uh, Tea Time show. There's two major um, topics I'd like to discuss uh, surrounding universalism. Or not surrounding universalism. Two topics that I want to take and universalize. Uh, Those are, one is this rhetoric around um, Trump's words being partly responsible for the pipe bomber uh, and the Pittsburgh shooter. Um... And kind of talk about that because that seems to be, especially if you watch the, the the mainstream media, that's all they're talking about. Especially today, as Trump is in Pittsburgh, uh, they're blaming him for quite a lot. Um, basically, saying he sets the tone for violence and and is partially responsible. So that's one thing we'll be talking about. The other thing is uh, Kirsten Powers from CNN and US Today. Today, uh, you know, tomorrow's Halloween. Those of us with children. Uh, Myself being one of them, uh, we're probably going to spend tomorrow evening trick-or-treating with kids with costumes and that kind of stuff. And uh, Kirsten Powers has this very important thing to say uh, on Twitter, which was, Dear white people who are upset that you can't dress up as another race or culture for Halloween, your feelings don't matter. The only feelings that matter are those who feel disrespected slash mocked by you appropriating their culture for entertainment. Show some common decency, people. Um, so that's what she said. We'll talk about universalizing that lovely statement that uh, the vituperations from Kirsten Powers. So, uh, without further ado, let's jump into take your sip of tea and let's jump into uh, this Trump rhetoric argument. So, as I mentioned, Trump is supposedly, according to the mainstream media, partly responsible for uh, the acts of violence last week um, because. Um, he uses charged language or his rhetoric incites uh, violence. And so therefore he's, he's responsible for it now. Um, so let's look at this just as a history here. Uh, the, the pipe bomb guy, I don't think any of the bombs went off. Uh, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but the pipe bomb guy by the pipe bomb guy had a serious history of, of criminal activity, including uh, bomb scares in the past. He, for which he had been arrested. So um, definitely a, a a screwed up guy who had done things well before Trump took office. However, he was quite obviously a Trump supporter. He had a van full of Trump stickers and stuff. Um, and so that's that guy. And then the Pittsburgh shooter, a guy named uh, Robert Bowers. Maybe I shouldn't say these people's names because they're scumbags and maybe we shouldn't really repeat their names. I, I won't use their names anymore. Um, he was a clear anti-Semite. He, he actually criticized Trump for being not anti-Semitic enough for having Jews around him, um, but uh, but also seems to be xenophobic and, and had this conspiratorial idea that the caravan, the Jews were paying for this caravan to come into the country, and so clearly also a, uh, a screwed up, uh, screwed up person. So, of course, what has the media done? Well, they've uh, they've been blaming Trump for this um, now. Yesterday, I was watching uh, Jake Tapper on CNN, and, um, you know, he did start out saying no one's responsible for this except for the people who did it. Okay, fine. 
Um, then he had a panel discussion with people on, and um, here are the, some some of the things that were said, just to you know get you up to speed on what what the mainstream media thinks about this. So, one of the people was Simone Sanders, who was the former national press secretary for Bernie Sanders. Um, she said, "This is not both sides, because I want to be really clear: there's nothing on the left to equate to the white supremacy we're seeing. So, nothing on the left is what she's saying." Um, Julia Ioff, I'm not sure how to say your last name, it's I-O-F-F-E. Um, she says, the president has radicalized so many people more than ISIS ever did. That's right, that's what she said. The president has radicalized so many more people than ISIS ever did. Uh, the way he talks, the way that he allows these people, the way he winks and nods, and she kind of goes on. She later apologized for that and said, well, you know, I didn't mean he's more than ISIS, but he's, then she quoted some statistics about anti-Semitism being up. Those statistics are um, true, but also questionable and not, uh, they're not all about violence and it's not clear that they're all from people on the right. So anyway, she kind of half-heartedly apologized for that one. Uh, Mona Charon, who uh, was on the Jake Tapper show, uh, also um, suggested that there's a, you know, because people were saying like, hey, you know, what about the other side? They say stuff, right? Uh, They say uh, insightful not insightful i guess maybe sometimes they say insightful things they say things that incite violence as well what about the left and of course she says uh well the president has a special responsibility right when you're president it's different he's therefore he's more responsible than everyone else okay so that's the sentiment there and you know jake tapper i'm sure it's because jake tapper watches this show um so i'm just going to take credit for this (laughs) uh I think he start, he's starting to, like, understand that, hey, maybe we should try and universalize some stuff to his credit, right? So um, after he, uh, you know, he cited um, Sarah Sanders, who was talking about Eric Holder and the Hillary Clinton uh, civility comments, right? So Sarah Sanders made comments about, hey, Eric Holder said kick him. Uh, when they're when they go low, kick them or whatever, and and Hillary Clinton said we you know we can't have civility until Democrats are in. So I guess Sarah Sanders commented on this, and Jake Tapper brought it up, and he said, and again this is to his credit, he said, well, either it's important for leaders to set moral examples for their supporters, or it's not. And so that's what I don't understand. Why do we have this standard? So good for Jake asking that question. Uh, we have a low bar for CNN, so that was a win, uh, and. Julia had this interesting argument. Hillary and, Hol- and 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 Eric Holder are are leaders, but Trump is the leader of all of us, and therefore that's why he should be treated separately. They're just leaders of their political factions, but Trump is the leader of everyone. Um, and uh, and then Jake asked Simone about uh, the Bernie shooter, right? I mean, again, good for Jake. He said, "Hey, you know, just for those of you who don't know." <laughs> Bernie supporter went and shot up a bunch of Republicans at a uh, baseball game. And so he said, well, what about that? Um, you know, d- does, does Bernie have some uh, responsibility here? And uh, Simone, uh, Simone, the, uh, I forget her title. Wait, I set it here. Let me find it. What was her title? Former national press secretary for Bernie. Uh so Simone responded and said, well, um, Bernie has never othered anyone. And she, the example she gave was uh, Trump called CNN the enemy of the people. And so that's inciting violence. He's othering people. 
othering is my favorite new retarded leftist thing to say. He's othering. Um, so she said, well, Bernie's never othered anyone, so that's why. Uh, which is kind of ridiculous, right? Basket of deplorables, um, <laughs> you know, Nazis, fascists, whatever. Yeah, of course. Uh, no one on the left ever others anyone, right? And they're all they're all just peachy and singing kumbaya. So let's universalize this. Uh, so that's the background a little bit. Let's try and universalize this. This one's very easy and obvious to universalize. Both of the examples today are pretty easy. Uh, the universalization, you know, um, so again, we're going to try and universalize this concept that Trump's kind of tone and rhetoric causes uh, the violence or is, is contributory to the violence and in some morally significant way, right? You could argue that anything could contribute to the violence. You know, you, uh, you know, took the wrong turn and cut someone off and that pissed them off and later they went, you know, whatever. Anything could potentially contribute to violence. But we're saying in a, in a meaningful moral way, the argument is that his tone and rhetoric uh, contribute to this violence. All right. The first thing to do when trying to universalize uh, this idea is to recognize that, again, like many of these claims, this is not intended to be universalized at all. Um, so it will self-implode as soon as we try and universalize it. So step one for universalization here. Well, if this is true about Trump, it has to be true about all public figures with platforms to influence people. Right? It can't just be Trump. Um, that's not a universal principle. Um, now, there is an argument here that the president is uh, special, but that argument, I believe, is specious. Um, the same argument could really apply to any elected official, right? The argument here is, well, Trump was elected as president, therefore he represents anyone. But you could make that argument about Maxine Waters and Eric Holder. Well, well, she was elected, therefore she represents, represents everyone in her district. And Eric Holder, who represents you know, everyone who elected him. So the idea that the officials have to represent everyone in their potential voter base, even if those people vehemently disagree with them, is, is ridiculous and actually not workable, right? Because, you know, Maxine Waters, for example, was elected to represent the ideology that she uh, talks about in her campaigns and that she practices. And so not everyone in her district agrees with that ideology but her job is to is to basically live up to the ideology that she advertised when she was elected all right and i think she does i hate her ideology but uh i think it's she lives up to it as far as i know i'm not an expert on maxine waters um so politicians have an obligation to represent uh, to behave how they represented themselves during the election they're not required to represent anyone and actually if they were required to represent everyone uh, in their potential voter base, um, then they would really not be able to represent anything because if you take any large enough population, there are conflicting uh, opinions on either side about every issue, and so uh, the elected official couldn't really represent anyone. So they're not, a, they're not supposed to represent everyone. They're supposed to represent the people who elected them. Right? That's why we have elections. It's to enable or empower one ideology to represent the population over another ideology. Right? So the idea that Trump gets to be treated differently from people like Maxine Waters or Eric Holder uh, is, is, when you universalize it, is specious. Right? That's, it's ridiculous. You know, it, it doesn't hold. You could maybe try and make an argument that... Um, this should only apply to maybe politicians, but but that falls apart very quickly. 
um, as well, right? So um, you really have to expand it to all public figures because obviously you can't make an argument that any public figure like Robert De Niro is supposed to represent everyone, right? That's ridiculous. He represents himself. Um, and so no one represents everyone, even politicians. They represent the people that voted for them. So um, if we universalize this here, it means it's this is not just a standard we need to apply to Trump, but we need to apply it to all public figures. That includes Hillary Clinton, Bernie Sanders, Maxine Waters, Eric Holder, um, but also people like Robert De Niro, who uh, you know said we should punch him, and people like Kathy Griffin, who held up a, a facsimile of Trump's severed head, or Andrew Gillum actually just today called his opponents pigs, right? All those people need to be cast. That net gets cast around all those people, anyone with a public figure, and actually if our public platform. And, and actually, if you wanted to use, universalize it further, you could kind of say everyone, um, since everyone has some sphere of influence, but we're, we're not going to do that. Uh, um, so we won't say that just because everyone has some sphere of influence, it's, it applies to everyone. It will be just, we'll just say, well, if you have a big sphere, you got a, a platform, you got a large influence. So this includes any, anyone public. Uh, publicly facing celebrities politicians that kind of thing okay so universalizing that part obviously it has to apply to everyone um step two to universalization here um well we have to kind of get into what people mean when they say inciting um violence so one of the one of the phrases that's been used a lot especially by cnn because this is near and dear to their heart uh one of the phrases that Trump says is that the, the <clears throat> fake news is the enemy of the people. Now, CNN says that Trump says the press is the enemy of the people. Um, he, he may have said that, but I think everyone knows he's talking about particular elements of the press, not the entire press. Um, but uh, he says, okay, the CNN or press is the enemy of the people. And, and CNN takes this as this is incitement to pipe bomb CNN. So... Uh, okay, so that's the kind of language that we're talking about here. Now, uh, and as well as the othering language that uh, that I brought up earlier. Now, if you really look at this, the, the press goes out of their way to interpret anything that Donald Trump says as hateful and violence inciting, right? They drop context. They misrepresent what he says. Um, you know, an example, this also happened, I think, yesterday, Bob Woodward, right, had a segment on CNN where he was talking about, oh, Trump, and he embraces inciting rage, right? And they had this whole segment, which was totally a fake segment. It was, um, they, they, they played an audio interview with Trump talking about inciting rage. And in the interview, Trump was basically saying, yeah, no matter what I do, it's not that I dislike it or like it. Like, no matter what I do, people hate me. And so he was talking about the rage of his enemies. He's like, yeah, people hate me. Just, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I, you know, I, I, I make people hate me, right? He wasn't talking about I like to incite rage in society generally and my supporters. He was talking about people just dislike him strongly. He's a very polarizing figure. Um, but that was touted on CNN by Bob Woodward, who, you know, pretends to have credibility just because of something he did decades ago, right? Uh, you know, he, he gets out there and he's like, he acts like this is serious. Like they're going to, like the listeners of CNN are going to be fooled by this when he plays the audio right there and anyone with a brain can hear and anyone with hearing can hear that, hey, Trump was talking about people hating him. He wasn't talking about how he likes to incite rage, but that was what... Um, 
that was the example that was used as how Trump incites rage, and that's why we have pipe bombs at CNN. So the reason I'm citing that example is because it's used here uh, as an example by CNN of how Trump incites violence, that sets the standard for how we universalize this, this idea of inciting violence and statements that could incite violence. And so the universalization here will be, look, any statement, basically, that could in any way be construed as a metaphorical call to violence should be taken as an incitement of violence. I mean, that's really what CNN is saying, All the and, and not just CNN, it's, it's other media as well. Anything that he, you know, if you can possibly take it out of context or take the metaphor literally or whatever, or, you know, consider it othering and make that violent or whatever it is, um, as long as you can do that, it counts. It counts to the media as incitement of violence, and it's creating the culture, and it's, he's responsible for pipe bombs, right? But if we universalize this to, to, to the, the standard they're applying to Trump, so part of universalization is you take the standard that they're applying in one case and you apply it everywhere. Well, if that's the standard we're going to apply, then you have to let in things like Hillary Clinton calling uh, half of America a basket of deplorables, right? saying that we have to be uncivil until the Democrats are back in power. Eric Holder saying when they go low, we kick them. Maxine Waters inciting uh, uh, harassment of public officials. All of those things are just if not, just as much, if not more, uh, of create, uh, incitements to violence or creating a violent culture than the things that President Trump said. So if we universalize it, all those things need to come into play. Now, you know, The other hand, we could say, so that one way to universalize it here right, is to take all those things and say, that's the standard we apply and we apply it to everyone. Therefore, all these people have incited violence and they're all just as responsible as Trump generally for the violent culture. The other thing we could say is, no, 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 no. Basket of deplorables saying we're going to be uncivil when they go low, kick them, all that stuff. That's not inciting violence. That's just metaphor and political talk. And that's that's not a big deal. That's, that's no big deal. Okay, well, if that's the case, then the things that Trump says don't count either, right? He is not, to my knowledge, he's never said, you know, go send pipe bombs to CNN or people should, you know, shoot Jews. Like, this is, these are not things that Trump says. Um, and, uh, and so if we're going to count, if we're not going to count things uh, on the left, then we can't count these things that Trump says. So obviously we can't have this both ways, which is why the universalization of this concept that Trump is responsible falls apart and implodes uh, completely, right? Because um, the universalization here would be like anyone with a platform, you can go two ways. The universalization is either anyone with a platform that says anything that could be construed to be violent is responsible when that obviously is a mess. Or you could say anyone with a platform, they can say anything they want and it's, and it's, they're not responsible. And so, okay, either one of those, uh, would mean either Trump, Trump and the left are responsible or Trump, neither Trump nor the left are responsible. So that's how, you know, this clearly wasn't intended to be universalized. Um, it's a self imploding, uh, kind of proclamation here. And again, I hate giving kudos to CNN, but Jake Tapper, you know, he seemed to kind of be getting this at least a little bit. I think he was too uh, nervous to say anything and to push the issue, but he brought it up. Nervous nervous to push the issue, but he did bring it up. 
maybe just because he felt like that's what the other side would do, so he had to say it. All right. So that one, that that one was the universalization of uh, Trump's being res- Trump being responsible in some material way uh, for the violence in society today, and obviously that is not a universalizable statement, and it is ridiculous. So, so we can dismiss that out of hand. It's not Trump's fault. Okay. Happy Halloween. As I mentioned, tomorrow's Halloween. Uh, so it's time to talk about Kirsten Powers. Uh, Kirsten Powers, uh, I think, writes for USA Today and maybe maybe does some correspondence for CNN as well. Um, and she sent out a tweet that I read earlier, but I'll read now. This tweet says... Dear white people who are upset that you can't dress up as another race or culture for Halloween, your feelings don't matter. The only feelings that matter are those who feel are of those who feel disrespected slash mocked by you appropriating their culture for entertainment. Show some common decency. So Kirsten Powers, white lady, lecturing all of us on Halloween costumes. This one again pretty easy to universalize um first of all i just want to be clear you can actually dress up as any race or culture uh that you would like um her opinion is um irrelevant and even though she says you're upset that you can't do this you actually can do that you can do whatever you want um now interestingly enough I did this actually i had a talk with my daughter about this recently because um it's halloween she's dressing up and uh you know, I try to, to get her to come to conclusions her own on her own instead of just telling her. Um, and so I kind of brought the issue up about cultural appropriation because they were talking about it at her school as well. And, um, you know, and she came up with a distinction that I think is important. She's nine. Uh, but her distinction was, well, there's a difference between dressing up uh, like someone because you admire them and you think it's cool and dressing up to make fun of someone. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Um, she happens to be dressing up as someone from another culture <gasps> this Halloween. Uh, but it is someone that she admires and thinks is really great. And kind of, the person's been dead for 3,000 years. So uh, it's not really an issue of them getting offended. But um, she is fascinated with the culture that she is dressing up as. And she's not dressing up as a culture, but she's fascinated with the culture that... Uh, this person is from that she's dressing up as and she's not doing it to uh she's not doing it to make fun of anyone she's doing it out of uh frankly she's a fangirl um now there's this kind of false equivalence between these two ideas which the left does a lot which is like there's no difference between dressing up because you uh are admiring someone or uh trying to propagate that and saying it's a good thing or just enjoying it and dressing up in blackface to make fun of people i mean th- those are the two extremes but like there there is a difference between those two things and the, and the left likes to just uh pretend that there's no difference and that they're the same thing so um all right so this is pretty easy to universalize look obviously uh so if white people can't dress up as other cultures no one else can dress up as other cultures okay so then it's like you have to go around to everyone else and say, well, is what you're wearing traditional white attire? 
which I don't even know what white attire is really. Maybe, maybe a tie and a jacket and tie. I, I don't know what's white attire. Victorian outfits. I don't know. Um, but uh, but apparently, uh, if if we're going to universalize this, uh, other cultures cannot dress up as anything that could be construed uh, as uh, white cultural appropriation. Um, which actually led me to an interesting thought. Um, Halloween is actually a European tradition, which is basically means it's a white tradition. Historically, Europe was, it was predominantly white. Um, so no one else can actually celebrate Halloween, Kirsten. That's uh, anyone who celebrates Halloween who isn't white is apparently culturally appropriating a European holiday. Maybe Americans can't celebrate it, although I think it, it did kind of legitimately come to America uh, uh, by Europeans, but in, in America's kind of viewed as a child of Europe. But um hey, maybe no one can celebrate Halloween who's not uh not white and part of white culture. Um so maybe that's what Kirsten Powers is saying. Maybe I should ask her if she agrees with that because that seems like it makes uh, a lot of sense. So, um so obviously the universalization of white people can't do XYZ, you know, that universalization is ridiculous um and or sorry that statement when universalized is ridiculous. And actually in this particular case, it's doubly ridiculous because Halloween is a European, um, a European holiday. So, so that's, that's the ridiculousness of that part of the universalization. The other part here is she says explicitly white feelings, your feelings don't matter. Uh, let's see. The only feelings that matter are those who feel disrespected or mocked by you appropriating their culture for entertainment. So your feelings don't matter. She says, um, Okay. So let's universalize this. White people's feelings don't matter. Okay. Whose feelings do matter? Uh, the, feelings, uh, who, people, the feelings of people who feel disrespected or mocked. Um, okay. Uh, well, we can, we can universalize this. This means that the only feelings that matter, because everyone's, you know, everyone has feelings here, right? She's, she's recognizing white people have feelings of wanting to do something, but those feelings don't matter. Right, the feelings of being disrespected or mocked—they matter. Okay, so we've now created a hierarchy of feelings, which, by the way, perfect for the left. This is exactly what they love: um, feeling disrespected or mocked, being the victim, is power. Victimization over everything else. Victims win. Victims win. Victims win. Feel victimized, you win. No one else's feelings matter, just yours. Right? Okay, fine. So uh, we can universalize this. So um, anyone can be the victim. If I feel disrespected or mocked. You can't do whatever it is that's upsetting me. And if you complain about it, Kirsten Powers will uh, smack you upside the head because you have no right to complain. You know, show some common decency. Uh, so now, interestingly enough, though, can't I really feel disrespected for anything I want? Right? I Maybe I could feel dis- disrespected for being told that I can't celebrate Halloween however I want. Oh, my God, it's completely circular and the whole thing falls apart i what are we gonna do um so obviously this look and social justice uh is specifically about killing universalization so but universalization is important so we need to be thinking in terms of universal universal principles so uh can't let people get away with this kind of crap so the the end result here what kirsten powers is is uh is advocating for is that no one else can do anything that anyone else claims makes them feel 
uh, disrespected. And obviously, the logical conclusion then is that no one will be able to do anything. Now, you could live in a civil society in which we um, agreed that intent mattered, right? Uh, and that if you're making fun of someone um, in, in a rude way, or you're making fun of someone, like that's rude and you could be socially ostracized. But if you're not, then, then no one's going to care that someone's offended. We could try and do that, but um, that's not what Kirsten Powers is recommending. Uh, she thinks we should live in a society where only victims have power and no one can do anything else. No one can do anything that anyone else might feel victimized by. It's all about how you feel. Um, and like I said, the end result is no one can do anything. Thanks. Thanks, Kirsten Powers. You can't ruin Halloween, Kirsten. It's a great holiday. Uh, I was going to not dress up, but maybe I will wear an NPC meme mask just for you. Okay. I'll probably get shot in the Bay Area wearing an NPC mask. Uh, all right. So that's it for the universalization stuff for today. Uh, those are the two eh, things put forward as principles or claims that we universalized. Both of them fell apart. Um, you know, I, I, I've got a few extra minutes here. I, I do kind of want to talk about Jake Tapper a little bit. So uh, I guess people can complain if, if they don't want me to be doing this. But uh, So this show was called The Lead yesterday with Jake Tapper. Because this thing got this got me to thinking. Because because CNN's really complaining about this Trump rhetoric, Trump rhetoric causing this problem and blah blah blah. And um, and they were talking about this Pittsburgh dude and saying like, hey, look, he believed these crazy conspiracy theories. I guess he believed that Jews were paying the caravan people to come in or something, which is obviously ridiculous. Um, and and that got him all wound up. Uh, now, even if you do believe that, uh, you can't go shoot people. But uh, CNN was saying, hey, he believes these conspiracy theories. And what they were also saying was, well, it's Trump and his allies. It's their fault. Right Now, this is, a da- this is dangerous territory for CNN. And I'm going to show you how I think it backfired on them and Jake Tapper immediately. This is just bonus, by the way. This has nothing to do with the universalization of stuff. But I just wanted to talk about it because I got extra time today. So while Jake Tapper is doing this story, there is a graphic on the screen that says, driving conspiracies, colon, President, no, maybe that was the top line, driving conspiracies, President Trump and his allies promote false theories. Okay. All right. So then, Jake, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take away your kudos earlier, Jake. Then Jake, Jake says something that I just thought was hilarious. He gets very upset that, quote, this is in part due to social media where anyone, anyone can retweet and peddle absolutely false stories. He's very upset that anyone can tweet. Um, so it's like, you know, welcome to the internet, Jake. Where the hell have you been? Yes, anyone can tweet shit. It can be false. Wake up, dude. Uh, that's, that's the internet. God. <laughs> anyway, I don't know what he wants, but he's very upset that anyone can peddle false stories. Uh, Okay, fine. So he gets upset, and then he does this this segment about here's here's some he gives three examples of conspiracy theories that Trump has and his allies have promoted um, that, in CNN's words, were false. No, no nuanced information about them. Not like, well, false, but there's this or true, but that or this part's no, none of that. Outright false. No needs to talk further about it. So here are the three things he said. 
Number one, Trump says his phones at Trump Tower were wiretapped by Obama. And CNN throws a big stamp up. False. Okay, thank you, CNN. False. Now, this is interesting because, to, to me, it's very interesting because, you know, CNN's a news organization, not like, uh, you know, a nitpicky 13-year-old, right, trying to find grammar errors in the teacher's test, right? This is, this is they're a news organization, right? So all they have to say about Trump saying his phones at Trump Tower were t- wiretapped by Obama, all CNN has to say is false. That's just false. Move on. Next story. Well, to me, what's interesting is because, um, yeah, it is it is literally not true. Like that that is correct. I'll give CNN. I'm not saying it's true, but there's substance there that's interesting, which is why Trump said it, right? And the substance is uh, is actually quite interesting. Now, what's upsetting? So Trump says the phones at Trump Tower were wiretapped by Obama. What's upsetting to people are not the specifics of that sentence. It's not like whether it was Obama himself or the phones. Like, no one actually thought that Obama sneaked into Trump Tower and put a little bug on the phone and sneaked out. Like, that wasn't what he was getting at was hey, um, there was an administration that may have used their power of the government to spy on their political opponents, right? And he's saying they did do this, right? They, they spied on their political enemies, including me and my campaign. This is what Trump is saying. Uh, using the power of the government. Now, is it technically incorrect that Obama tapped phones at Trump Tower? Yes. Yes. Um, so to be actually like dialectically true, Trump should have said something like, agencies under control of Obama used government resources to spy on my campaign. That looks like it actually might be true still. It's still under investigation. But we do know that there were FISA warrants that were issued. We know the origin of those FISA warrants is currently in question. We know they included Carter Page. We know there's a three-hop rule for, for, um, uh, for spying on people. So that means that they could easily hop to Trump from three hops away from Carter Page. So there's a real story here, CNN. That might be false. Like those, That statement might be like false. I, I get it. The specifics of that statement are false. But there's a real story here cnn that you're not reporting on right so trump didn't say the the kind of what we'll say dialect we'll call it dialectically true statement that agencies under control of obama used government resources to spy on my campaign instead he said he just used a rhetorical statement which resonates with people more it's more concrete it kind of paints an image in their head he said obama tapped my phones in trump tower right but no one actually really thought it was obama himself and no one really cared whether it was trapping, tapping his phones or a FISA warrant with Carter Page included in a three-hop rule. So we don't really know whether this is completely true, but it is. there is credible evidence that something is funky going on. We know there were FISA warrants. We know they included Carter Page. So we know that Trump could be have sw- been swept under that surveillance operation. So, you know, the fact that CNN puts this statement up and then all they have to say about it is false and providing no detail. Jake, that's what destroys your credibility. That's why CNN has no credibility. You don't say anything more than false and move on. There's a story there and you're intentionally not talking about it. All right? The two other examples that CNN gave, uh, he then said, uh, that Trump said the, the, the Hurricane Maria death toll in Puerto Rico was inflated to make him look bad. Again, CNN, 
False. So again, CNN is right here. That is false. I'm not saying that they're not. Uh, I'm not saying that they're not right when they when they nitpick here. But I'm calling it nitpicking because uh, they know what Trump is doing and they know the story behind it and they know uh, they know that they're uh, not talking about exactly the the truth behind those statements. Right? They're just saying false and moving on and pretending to do reporting. So the reality here says, obviously, CNN was right. The death numbers were accurate, and it was wrong for Trump to challenge them. This is the one I think they were right most on. Um, But then he got asked the question, why did he do this in the first place? Why would Trump challenge? What what the hell? Why would he say that? Right? Well, he said it because at the time, the media, including CNN, was going out of their way to unfairly blame the Trump administration for the death toll in Puerto Rico. Right? They blamed FEMA for not uh, providing adequate aid, and therefore Trump, which is interesting because uh, you know, when the FBI did something, that wasn't Obama's fault. But when FEMA does something, that's Trump's fault. Right? So they, they were blaming FEMA for not providing adequate aid. We later turned out that the aid was delivered, but it was local politicians who let stuff rot on the runway and in warehouses. The whole time while the media is blaming Trump. So we're in an environment here. So like... Yeah, the media was trying to make Trump look bad. That part of his statement is true. Like, the media was trying to make Trump look bad. They didn't inflate the death toll, but they did try and make him look bad and try and blame him on it. So his claim that the numbers were false, that's, that, that's false, right? Um, but people, you know, they knew the media was trying to make him look bad, right? Um, so they actually believed Trump's claims against the numbers, because, again, CNN has destroyed their credibility. Everyone knew the media was trying to make Trump look bad. So he just says, well, those numbers are inflated because they're trying to make me look bad. Right? That's not true. The numbers weren't inflated. But everyone knows they were trying to make him look bad. So they're going to just kind of assume that the whole thing is true. Thanks for helping spread that, by the way, CNN. You are partly responsible for that. The last example CNN gave, that Jake gave, was uh, Trump says he saw Arab Americans in New Jersey cheering on 9-11 or that there were Arab Americans. I don't know if he said he saw them. He'd have to be in New Jersey, I guess. CNN says, false. That's all they say, right? He said this happened, false. End of CNN story. Well, the truth is, um, so first of all, the thing that Trump, in CNN's defense, the thing that Trump said that was wrong was he said there were thousands of Arab Americans in New Jersey cheering. Uh, They didn't actually say this in their story, but that's what he actually said. Um, but that's not true. There weren't thousands, but CNN, some did. So when he says that Arab Americans in New Jersey were cheering on 9-11, he's right. Some Arab Americans in New Jersey were cheering on 9-11. And on the record sources, you know, describe at least two, uh, celebrations modest in New Jersey that were witnessed, right? And I've got a couple examples here. It's probably only a few dozen people, but... Um, one example, a retired police captain, Peter Gallagher, said he cleared a rooftop celebration of 20 to 30 people at 6 Tunnel, Tunnel Avenue, a four-story apartment building with an unobstructed view of Lower Manhattan in the hours after the second tower fell. And this is, these are Gallagher's words, all right? This is a retired police captain. This is what he says. And I quote, some men were dancing, some held kids on their shoulders, said Gallagher, then a sergeant. The women were shouting in Arabic and keening, I don't know what keening is, in high-pitched wail of Arabic fashion. They were told to go back to their apartments since a crowd of non-Muslims was gathering on the sidewalk below, and we feared for their safety. 
right? And then FBI agents took some people uh, in the building into custody a few days later. Another example, uh, numerous people called the police to report uh, uh, an exultant crowd on the roof of 2801 John F. Kennedy Boulevard, uh, which is a five-story apartment building um, in, in New Jersey. And uh, retired officer Arthur Teeter talked about this. And uh, Teeter said uh, he worked in the radio room and he said there was lots of calls. There were enough. And he says there was enough calls about rooftops to celebrations that it was disturbing. And that he said that's the only word I can use. It's disturbing. So, again, there's some truth behind what Trump was saying. But CNN just says false. And that's the end of their story that, of that, you know, the so-called reporters, so-called journalists, right? And the problem here is, and again, I am not blaming CNN for anything, nor am I blaming President Trump for any violence. And if, if people, they're act, CNN wasn't responsible for Bernie Sanders' shooter, and I'm calling him the Bernie shooter, which I guess is weird, but I don't, I don't know his name. CNN wasn't responsible for the guy who shot the Republicans up at the, at the baseball game, um, Neither was Trump. Trump and CNN, neither, neither of them are responsible for uh, the bombing or shooting uh, in Pittsburgh. But I think CNN, CNN is lacking a, severely lacking a sense of, uh, well, any kind of ability to do some introspection. When CNN destroys its credibility like this, right? So let's talk about conspiracy theories. Because my question was like, why did the guy believe these? Why did the guy believe these conspiracy theories, right? Why, why believe conspiracy theories like this? And I thought about it. And one reason is that, uh, I mean, as Jake Tapper was, was uh, shocked by earlier in the show, there's lots of fake stuff on the internet. There's lots of lies out on the internet. And anyone can read them and tweet them and, and believe them. Normally what you do is you tr- turn to trusted sources, like traditionally mainstream media, to vet things and to tell you, oh, this is this part, this thing is not true. That's a weird conspiracy theory. This over th- is this true. This thing over here is true. This thing's not true. This thing in the middle is partly true, partly not. Here's we did some journalism for you. Right? And you turn to those sources. But the problem is when those sources uh, are destroying their own credibility, when they treat those things the way that I just described, and they just say false and go away, and they don't talk about anything beneath it. Um, and they've done much worse. That was just in this example yesterday. When they start doing that, CNN destroys its own credibility, right? And then people can no longer turn to CNN for assurance about whether something is true or not. Because CNN can say, well, that's a crazy conspiracy theory, but people don't believe them anymore. So they start looking for alternative sources, right? And so they go Google some of these claims by CNN. And they found, you know, if they went, if, if CNN made some claims and, and they went and Googled these things, people went and Googled these things, and they, they saw, oh, CNN is above board. They are accurately representing everything here. They would trust CNN to call out lies, all right? And they'd listen to CNN when they say conspiracy theories were wrong. But CNN has destroyed its own credibility. So those people don't listen to CNN. When CNN says something's not true, they just go elsewhere, right? And they, they, they don't believe CNN. And they go, and they might read something on some weird website that is, uh, you know, totally bogus, and they'll believe it because they don't trust when CNN says it's not true because CNN has destroyed its own credibility. So, uh, 
it's a frustrating, weird thing. Um, and I don't see anyone really talking about how, you know, CNN destroying their own credibility actually increases the believability of conspiracy theory, or at least the prop, uh, the propagation of conspiracy theories. Um, CNN could stop them if people believed CNN. Uh, let's see. We got someone. P. Grant M. Trump was sent by Satan, not Jesus our Lord. I don't know. I'm an atheist, dude. I, I don't know. He says thousands of lies, probably. Uh, Trump would have one ounce of credibility if he didn't constantly lie. It's Trump's fault. Fox is credible, LOL. I don't think I said Fox was credible. Uh, they're, they're not. <laughs> Fox is like the other side of CNN, right? Fox is, uh, I just, the other day, I just, uh, I tuned in just out of curiosity and um, I think it was Hannity or something and it was like an advertisement for Republicans. It was completely biased. Um, MSN and CNN are more credible than fake Fox News and bad little cousins Infowars. You like to type in caps, dude. Uh, anyway, yeah, I, I think um, the issue here is not whether Fox is good or <laughs> CNN is better than CNN or not. Um, the issue here is, uh, you know, there is rhetoric on both sides and uh, certainly you can't blame uh, you can't blame Trump for things like uh, the bombings and the shootings. Um, and also you can't blame Trump for people believing conspiracy theories necessarily. I think he does probably play into some of them. But uh, at, the, at the end of the day, CNN has destroyed their own credibility. So, you know, 20 years ago, I would have tuned into CNN to see if a conspiracy theory was true or not and see what they said about it. And I would have believed them. Now, I don't believe them anymore because they lie um, and they mislead. And, uh, you know, I we all know that Trump is misleading. So we can take stuff that he says with a grain of salt. But CNN, they're supposed to be, uh, you know, mainstream media, they're supposed to be the trustworthy ones. So whew, that was a lot for today. What else we got going on? Got a lot of stuff. I what else can we chat about? Oh, Hillary Clinton. I don't know if uh, people saw this, but uh, man, she made a. I guess it was a joke the other day that I think any one on the right would have been crucified, crucified for. She was being interviewed, and someone confused Eric Holder. The interviewer confused Eric Holder with Cory Booker, um, and Hillary Clinton corrected her and then said. Uh, I know they all look the same and, and laughed about it. Ha ha. It's a funny joke. Um, now I actually don't know. I actually don't know if, um, I don't know if Cory Booker is actually African American. I don't know his background. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, just kind of a funny, she makes a joke. No one really says anything about it, but I, you know, anyone on the right would have been, uh, Literally, not literally, but almost, <laughs> at least figuratively on Twitter, crucified for it. Um, what else is in the news today? Voter, oh, there's like voter ID, voter suppression, voter ID stuff. Um, I guess this is the last thing I'll talk about. Uh, it's not not that exciting. Um, I find the idea that requiring people to have ID, IDs to vote, um, the idea that that is somehow... Um, hurts minorities is i find that idea really racist um and offensive um black people know where the dmv is and they know how to get driver's licenses everyone um they're capable of voting they're they're human beings just like the rest of the left all these people on the left they're just like you they're human beings they, they can get ids and vote um it's it's not hard they they have driver's licenses and drive i don't know what you think of of minority communities but you have to be a 
pretty condescending, arrogant bastard to think that asking them to produce an ID is somehow discrimination against them because they're too incompetent to get a driver's license. I, I don't get why. Uh, I don't get why that's an issue. I mean, I, I mean, I don't get why why asking for an ID is an issue and why people can, with a straight face, act like, oh, this is this is suppressing minority votes. Um, there probably are things that may suppress minority votes, but voter ID is not one of them. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's crazy to me that that's not, that the racism inherent in that position is not called out more often, uh, because it's really, it's really condescending and, and shitty. And, uh, you know, I, I guess if someone, someone, uh, Someone who really believes that wants to explain what the hell they're thinking and why they think that's true. Uh, I'd love to hear it, but um, you know the truth is, uh, black people don't have a problem getting ID. You know, uh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the argument. So, uh, and I understand how you're not uh, see like I don't understand how people don't see that as racist. Um, to argue that it's it's suppressing minorities. I just don't. So uh, I think that's all there is today. As a reminder, um, <laughs> uh, as a reminder, um, Thursday at 11 a.m., uh, Carrie and I will do the weekly deprogrammed. Carrie Smith, former SJW, uh, we kind of deconstruct social justice uh, a little bit every week. And this week we're going to do it again. Um, again, it's 11 a.m. every, every week. Let's see what we're talking about this week. Oh, uh, the title for this week is, uh, SJWs and personal responsibility. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, again, you can go to, go to Twitter and follow at unsafe show. You can go to unsafeshow.com and follow and, uh, like subscribe, do all that stuff. Uh, appreciate it. I'm enjoying building this audience from scratch. It's kind of a, a fun new thing. So I appreciate everyone who's been interacting. Uh, and so, Thanks for that, and uh, I will see you next time, everyone. Take care.